the Bible Study Podcast, episode 721. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 2 Corinthians with chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6 starts like this. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So two things in there stand out for me, and that is why God has reached out to us, why God sent Christ, why God had Christ go through what he went through to restore us to relationship to him. And the two things that I see here is both said in the negative and the positive. In the positive, it's that God wants us to be co-workers, that God is about something. God is about restoring people to him, to reaching out to people and bringing them back to him, and that we aren't just observers or passengers or whatever, we are encouraged to be, called to be co-workers, that this is part of the work that we were called to do. And the other way of saying that is the negative here is that I urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In other words, not to receive God's grace for no particular reason, for no particular purpose, that there is a purpose why God has shown us his grace and that we are called into ministry. And I don't just mean those people who have a title of minister, that all Christians everywhere in every church and every denomination are called to be ministers. Not necessarily called to be ordained ministers, but called to be part of this work of God. And Paul goes on, Paul's hardships. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love." in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything." We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. So this particular section is ending with that thought of that you should open your hearts, right? And Paul is making this case that in his own ministry, in the ministry of those he is working with, because Paul is not acting alone and, and was at no time acting alone. He was part of a missionary team with Barnabas to begin with, and now there's Luke and Timothy and Titus and a number of other people who were named at the end of this letter and the other letters. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path. Then that is a good thing to think about is what kind of things would impede that ministry that we are called to. And 
Paul expresses all of these in the positive in terms of what he has done. He has been through troubles and hardships. He has shown endurance. And so what would impede the ministry of God would be if Paul were a a fair-weather Christian. Basically, if Paul said, as, as soon as it got tough, Paul quit. The book of Acts would be significantly shorter if that had been the case, because it talks about the number of times that Paul was imprisoned and beaten and left for dead and was in shipwrecks and, you know, all of those things. And he brings up other things here, like when there were sleepless nights and hunger and all of these things, they went through the riots in Ephesus. They were working hard because if they were seen as lazy, that would be an impediment to their ministry. Right, if people looked at Paul and said, Paul is just preaching the gospel because it benefits him. That Paul is making a living from the gospel. He's a snake oil salesman. He's a televangelist. Basically, he's someone who you can't tell if he's really out to do you good or he's out to do himself good. That would be a detriment to his ministry. That would be an impediment to people believing in God. So he's saying, we didn't do that right? We showed endurance, we showed patience. And then we also showed these other things here. They showed hard work. They were about this work of God as if it mattered, as if it was important, which it is. But also they showed that by what they did and by how they acted. And that's very important for our ministry as well, because the things that would have impeded the ministry of Paul are the things that can impede the church today and its ministry. If we are seen as working for our good and not the good of others, if we are seen as being fair-weather Christians, people who will quit when things get hard, that will impede the ministry of God. Also, he says, I showed great understanding, patience, and kindness. When the church is not understanding, when it is not patient, when it is not kind, that impedes the ministry of God. Why would you want to be one of those people if you don't like those, how those people are? Why would you join that group, those Christians, if those Christians weren't attractive by how they live? If, if it wasn't something that, that said, hey, they've got something I don't have, right? And so he says, and in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, If those people aren't loving, why would I be one of those people? Why would I listen to what they have to say? And that is one of the single most things that I think gets in the way of the ministry of the church today, especially where I live in in the U.S., where the reputation of the church is not always love. The reputation of the church may be judgmentalism. And that is not what we're called to be. We're called to be understanding, patient, and kind and living out this life of sincere love and also in truthful speech. And I talked about this recently that if we believe a lot of things that other people can tell are not true, let's say we wanted to preach both the gospel and that the earth was flat. You could see that that might get in the way of the gospel because the earth is demonstrably not flat. Right, And so people would say, oh my gosh, those Christians, they'll believe anything. And so one of the reasons why us caring about what is true and 
politics is what I think of in this in this day and age. But you know, caring what is true in general, you know, vaccines and all of that stuff. But caring what is true in general is that sometimes people look at the church because of some of these other issues that aren't really related to the Bible and aren't really related to you know teachings of Christ and stances that various churches have taken at different times and they say it's like those people leave the earth is flat why would i believe them about other things when this one thing that they believe is so demonstrably testably clearly untrue then why would i believe this thing that requires faith and is hard to demonstrate is hard to qualify is hard to quantify is hard to to tell if it's true. Why would I believe them if I can tell they believe other things that is untrue? And that's why when I think that it's very, very important for us as Christians across all denominations, across all, you know, Republican, Democratic, right, left, whatever, to care about truth, not because of the politics, but because it impedes the ministry of God if we don't. If we have a reputation for believing things that are not true, it's like we are also one of those people who are unloving, unkind, unpatient. It gets in the way of the gospel and the work we are called to. And so Paul says, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, Paul knows that he is at war, not with people, but with spiritual powers. People are the are the battlefield. People are the captives we are trying to free. They're not the enemy. So Paul has these weapons of righteousness. And I think of prayer. I think of our knowledge of the Bible. I think of our, our time that we spend with God as being part of those weapons of righteousness. It says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine not be, and yet regarded as imposters, known and yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on. He's saying we may still get people who don't believe us. We may still get people who dishonor us. We may get still people who give bad report about us. That's not the important part. What the important part is, how do we live? And how true are we to the gospel in not just what we say, but in how we live? And that is part of the strength of our witness. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything. And I think of when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and talked about it like the merchant who is a pearl merchant and he finds that pearl of great price. Or that man who finds the field and both sell everything to gain that, the pearl of great price, or to gain that field where he knows a treasure is hidden. And it may look crazy, but it makes a lot of sense to buy that field that holds a treasure. And so he says, making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything, that if people look at us and see us as rich, the richness that we really do have, it, because of our faith in Christ, because of the strength of the community that supports us, because of the love that we've given from God, that we give each other, if people see that richness, that will work towards this work that God has called us to. And so Paul calls to the Corinthians and says, I want you in this too. I want you to open your hearts wide also. And then it goes on to something very practical matter. It says, 
Warning against idolatry. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what can fellowship or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are in the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this may look like it's a completely different thought. And yet part of what he's saying here is we can see in the Old Testament, for instance, when we look at King Solomon, Solomon becomes a king at a young age and God comes to him and says, what can I give you? And instead of choosing riches or wealth or um, all of these other things, he says, give me the wisdom to guide your people. And so God gives Solomon wisdom. And Solomon is a good king up to a point. And then the problem is that he starts marrying other women from other, you know, of course, multiple times because it's uh, not a, because uh, it's a polygamous society. And so he marries other women who believe other gods. And soon there are other idols in his house. And there are other things that become important. And Solomon begins to worship other gods. And so, you know, one of the things that can draw us away from this ministry that we're called to is a split attention and a split allegiance, right? Used to be that if you were a citizen of the United States, you were a citizen just of the United States. And now you can have multiple citizenships. They've changed the law a bit. But, you know, I understand why the law was originally that way. It's sort of like, well, who, where is your allegiance? To whom? And this comes up a lot as a as a controversial thing in terms of dating, you know, that people say, well, you shouldn't date someone who is an unbeliever. And and Paul would kind of agree with that. He's saying, well, where is that going? Where where are you going with that? What is your intention if you're, you know, intending, for instance, to date someone and then get into married and you're married with someone whose whose faith is not the same as yours? that that will pull you away from God. It's a, it's a practical matter. He doesn't say it's a, a sin necessarily in here. There's nothing in there that says that, but it's saying, why would you be yoked with unbelievers? In the sense of yoked is this term that is used, for instance, for oxen. You take two oxen, you yoke them together, and then you pull, for instance, the plow to plow the fields. Well, if one is pulling in one direction and one is pulling in the other direction, you're going to have a mess in terms of your furrows of your fields. He says, are you pulling in the same direction? Do you believe in the same things? Do you believe in the same God? That that is going to be very important because anything else is going to be a distraction again from the work that we are called to. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment at this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. 
The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.